This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Kevin Hoffman. By the time he turned two years old, Kevin had survived an abortion, been given away by his mother, adopted by a family of another race, and woke up to a burning cross in his front yard. Kevin was born in Detroit in August 1967, two weeks after the riots that changed the city forever. It was out of these amazing circumstances his life began. It is out of these experiences he tells his story, a story of struggle and joy, pain and passion, and most of all, hope. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Roman. Yeah, so that's kind of a a bridge version, obviously, of what you've experienced. But tell me a little bit more about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? So, I mean, it all begins with, you know, I'm the product of an affair between my white mother and black father back in the late 60s in Detroit. Uh, They had worked together at the Chevy stamping plant, Livonia, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. And fortunately and unfortunately, they were married just to two different people. So they had an affair, I was the result. And you just have to understand at that time in Detroit, I mean, I was born when the city was still burning from the riot. And those riots were a result of the fact that the black and the white communities could not get along. So I was born into that. So what an interesting way to be a biracial, or what an interesting time to be a biracial child born into that kind of environment. For obvious reasons, my white mother and her husband decided to put me up for adoption. I was adopted by a white minister, his wife, and their three biological kids. We lived in Dearborn, a suburb of Detroit, which has an interesting racial history to its own. And fortunately, my parents chose to move to Detroit when I was three. My father pastored a church in Detroit where the parsonage or the home that the the pastor's family stayed in was in a black neighborhood. So I grew up around kids that looked like me. And that's really the story, this story of so much coming together, you know, really. And it had all centered around race and identity, which is, you know, what my story is about. And how has that obviously impacted you for kind of present day and what you do in your, uh, you know, everyday life and your profession? Yeah, so that's interesting. So when you look at it, you know, as an author and a speaker, and I do a lot of training, um, you know, I thought 10 years ago, I thought, man, I'm going to write this book. This is just an interesting story. People hopefully will enjoy it. So I did that. And so the focus was, and this is this is actually a good lesson in business, which is my focus was so narrow. It was, I'm going to go to the adoption community and tell this story. Well, the adoption community isn't that big. So I limited my opportunity. And for 10 years, I really struggled with that. And then just recently, I decided well, let's take a look at this and reinvent this. And man, I tried to spin this story so many different ways. And one of the ways that you know I chose to spin it was, this is a story about identity and race. 
and I did purposely write the book because I wanted people to understand what it was like for a person of color to grow up in this country. And so I thought, well, let's tell that story to a wider audience. So then I started reaching out to people who were interested in diversity and inclusion. And then I got a little success there. And then I thought, well, colleges and universities and schools, they're all struggle with how do we create this space where kids that are different can get along. And so then I went after K through 12 and started landing gigs with them. And then I went after a university and got, you know, gigs with them. Um, and it was just, man, it's just a lesson. You know, when you're an entrepreneur is sometimes, man, you got to recraft, turn, spin. I mean, it's like a Rubik's cube sometimes. So that's what I've done. And I'm starting to really, really get some traction with. It. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of reinvent yourself. I actually went to uh, Rutgers Newark. So Newark also had its own uh, rockets yeah, and exactly. stuff during that time. And the campus that I went to was actually, is actually still one of the most uh, diverse campuses in the uh, the United States. There was like people from, I don't know, like 80, 90 countries. It is kind of in the inner city as well. So it has that uh, unique kind of perspective as well. So I'm fortunate enough to grow up in a part of the country where I immigrated here when I was five, where, you know, I, I could see people of all different races, but that's not the case in different parts of the country still. Right. Yes. So it's, I mean, the, the mindset and, um, you know, what your experiences are and how you grow up really affect, uh, you know, who you become essentially. Right. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the points that I make when I talk about diversity and inclusion is you got to understand where people come from. Cause that's, yeah. So, and I was joking with someone yesterday about this, but I have this unusual background, which makes me quite honestly, more likable to people who may not hear my message. So the fact that I grew up in a white household with white parents, for some reason that just sets well with, with other, with different people. And so I can speak to them in a ways that some can't. And that's important, especially when you're talking about diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I agree. And me and my wife are also uh, foster parents, uh, foster oh, adopt. Yeah, we became foster parents in June 2018. Oh the town right over from the, the capital of New Jersey, which is Trenton, which has a lot of problems also, you know, inner city poverty and stuff like that. So a lot of these kids are coming from that area. And, you know, single parent households, abuse, you know, you know, drug use. So I think it's important to be there for uh, generations, you know, young kids, uh, kids going through, you know, primary, secondary school and kids in college because in, you know, me being a foster parent, there's, I think, 700,000 kids in the foster care system. So that's a whole generation of kids. Yeah. that don't necessarily have hope and don't necessarily see uh, positive role models in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was fortunate that I was in care only for three months and then I was adopted. But yeah, I used to work in, I used to work in the, the child welfare. And honestly, I worked there for a year and then it was just too triggering. I was seeing kids that could have been me and it just wasn't healthy for me. So, you know, I had to get out. But yeah, it is needed. You're right. There's so many kids that if they just had that support could be, I mean, you'll, you will change a lot. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, the, uh, the foster care system, the, you know, child services division in New Jersey, and I'm sure in other states is very broken in terms yeah. of the structure and the laws. And there's so many kids that 
don't get the services they need that slips through the cracks. We try to advocate as best as we could uh, for every single kid in our home. A lot of a lot of which need a lot of therapy, but don't necessarily get it. So it's tough. Yeah. And that's and that was the other reason why I left, because it was such a broken system. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? I think it is. And when I train with adoption and foster care, I talk about adoptee residue, which is the things that stick with adoptees that don't simply wash off. So especially the time that I grew up, the assumption in the adoption community and foster care community was, you know, we'll take these kids away from their, you know, biological parents, put them in new homes and they'll be fine. You know, no worse for the wear. Well, that simply wasn't true for me (laughs) and most of the kids that I know that have been through that kind of life. Uh, And so there was certain things that stuck to me as an adoptee that I've battled against all my life. And so one of the biggest things was, and once I identified it, then that really helped me. And it was because I was adopted and for whatever reason, my mother gave me away. I have this feeling in me that I'm not good enough. And so, man, do I see that play out in all the the different avenues I've tried for business. And it's what happens is I'll be right on the edge of doing something pretty fantastic. And then this self-destructive mode just automatically comes on. And so what motivates me is knowing that that's there and saying, okay, today I got to do something to forward this business. And if it's just one thing, it's just that knowledge of knowing that's there and pushing through that. And so it meant things like surround yourself with the right people. So it's easy to just surround yourself with people who think you're great. (laughs) You know, they tell you what you want to hear. And then, yeah, about six months ago, I said, you know, I need to, you know, the whole adage, the business adage is, you know, be around people who are better than you so you can become better. Uh, And that's what I started doing. I hired a life coach, guy who's great in business. And uh, yeah, and he's the guy every week, you know, that tells me, man, you're not doing it. Got to do better. You got to do better. And that's really helped push me. And that motivates me, too, is to have people around me, you know, saying, yeah, you're good, but you could be so much better. Yeah, I think you uh, always need to be pushed. You can't really surround yourself with kind of yes people. Exactly. Because, I mean, I would rather have, you know, constructive criticism. This isn't working. That isn't working. For me to recognize that flaw from another perspective, because I may be thinking this is the best thing and there's nothing wrong with it. And if I'm continually told that, I'm never going to correct that yeah. thing that, you know, I can improve upon. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think a lot of people also self-sabotage before getting to a big goal or a big success based on some of the you know traumatic experiences they've been through or their, you know, upbringing in one sense or another, things that happen to them, abuse, neglect, that kind of stuff as well. And even if if that's not the case, I think to achieve a goal or to start something new, uh, you yourself as an individual are the biggest obstacle to starting and succeeding before anything else, before any variable around you, before you start, you know, blaming things on people and events. It's it's you that needs to kind of get out of your own head and, and just start. Yeah, it's yeah, that's so it. And then two, those that have been through trauma, you know, we don't realize expect like kids in the in the foster care system or who've been adopted, a lot of our the our early years were very traumatic. 
and tough. But we made it through that. And I try to tell kids like that is what you don't understand is in that short amount of time, you've gone through something that most people will never go through, yet you're still here. And there's a reason why you're still here. You got something in you, all the books call it that grit. That grit and that drive, you know, if you tap into that, man, you can be so much better than you think you are. Yeah, and it actually gives you an advantage to a certain sense because you're you're in a way kind of uh, hardened and battle tested in a, in, a, exactly. in a certain sense. I find that as I came to the United States when I was five, but I do remember I was coming the, from Ukraine, which was still under the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So life a lot harder. You come here, and it's I mean, you become a little complacent and, and soft in terms of you know a lot of first world problems. Yeah. And I see a lot of founders of unicorn companies, big fortune companies oftentimes come from countries that, you know, they had to struggle a lot and they come here and they really appreciate that and that they have that in the back of their mind that also pushes them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing. And it's, and yeah, with you just got to know it's there and what you've been through. And sometimes you're too close to it to see it. Yeah, and oftentimes even traveling, I try to go where, you know, everyone lives at like what life really is even in the country where you go to and and stay in a resort or anything like that and don't really go or venture off far like i would recommend going and see how people really live to give you a perspective from that trip or that travel to appreciate what you actually have in the united states and not take it for granted yeah definitely definitely so what's one thing in the past that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? In my experience, um, when I first started kind of this route of going after a larger audience, some people will try to challenge what you're saying. And man, I would really shun from that. I'd really kind of back up away from that. But then I, and someone said to me, understand, you're giving them your experience. And no one is a bigger expert of your experience than you. So now, yeah, that's become my biggest strength where, yeah, I can stand up in front of, you know, two, 300 people and if someone questions me, I can say, I know this because I've lived it. It's my experience. And that gives me confidence to, to move forward. Yeah, and I think it's, it's one of those things where you speak on things that you've, you've been through. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of speakers, a lot of people that speak on things that they haven't necessarily been through. They're just generalizing a lot. Right, exactly. Just kind of like a hype man, just just going through the emotions and motions and not necessarily uh, coming through something. I mean, when I try to go on other podcasts and and share my story, I try to be, I actually did a show last month, it's going to come out with my wife about going through uh, five miscarriages in the past three years and how that led to foster care and possibly adoption down the line. So like you said, that's something I've been through. And I think oftentimes also things that people go through, they feel like their story isn't as big or impactful, but there's at least one other person that's in your shoes or been through what you've been through. And by sharing that through, you know, to one person, hundred thousand, you know, a million people, you can change that one life and see that there's somebody out there that came from that, that's living and coping and dealing with that and thriving after. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And just, so yeah, that's what I do. Share my experience, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. The, the hope is, man, if I can get this out to more people, then like you said, it can help somebody. And that's, 
that's really my mission. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you have for the audience, personal or professional? Uh, because I'm going through it right now is, man, you've got to look at all angles. If you're in business, you're an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, you've got to rework yourself, spin it, you know, as many ways as you can. Um, I used to be kind of uh, dominated by the thought that I want to make this much money and it's going to come from this book. And now I look at it like you could still make that much money, but it could come from book. It could come from speaking. It could come from coaching. It could come from, you know, different, different areas. And I think, yeah, I think that's a better way to look at it that, you know, you're not just looking for that one stream. You're just trying to bring in as many streams as you can. Yeah, and I think uh, focusing on legacy and giving back in, exactly. in those ways and sharing what you're an expert in or your experiences will oftentimes get you faster to a goal. And I mean, usually a lot of times success is obviously tied with, you know, a higher income or something, you know, greater in material. So not focusing on that money perspective, like just the money, but adding legacy, sharing and adding value oftentimes is a quicker route to your goal than simply just, you know, chasing the money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I really appreciate you stepping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yep. Yeah, you can go to my website, which is kevinhoffman.com. So it's K-E-V-I-N-H-O-F-M-A-N-N.com. And you'll see everything I do there. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. All right. Thanks, Roman. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.